0: Two Friends, Two Murders contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Nobody in an atmosphere like this has any contact
0: with violence or walks in any fear. Except who knows what hides in the private jungle beyond any respectable door. Do
1: And welcome back to Two Friends, Two Murders.
0: I'm Kylie, in case you forgot.
1: And I'm Aubrey. We're here recording over the telephone. Like it's, it's 1990. Yep, because COVID's still here. FaceTime doesn't work. Our computers don't like to work. So <laughs> we're trying our best. But we're, we're here.
0: dedicated to bring you these episodes. So <laughs> yes, we are. Rain or shine, somehow you'll hear them.
1: It might sound shitty, but we're here. <laughs> <laughs> and in light of it being me and my twin brother's birthday tomorrow we decided to honor us by doing a theme of twins who kill yes, yes Evil twins yes and like there's a show out there called evil twins which i didn't expect there to be a whole show about them
0: i didn't either like i thought it was going to be hard to kind of
1: find this i, I did too. think the
0: themes are going to be hard and then it's either like there's nothing or it's like all these crazy yeah. stories. This one was. It had like so many like quote unquote evil twin stories. Yeah,
1: there was a lot. And if you guys are wanting to watch some evil twins, there's a show. It's on there the it ID is. show. The ID TV channel. Whatever it is. Yep. Um and yep just, yep, yep. yep, just to clear a few things, uh yes I am a twin. We are not identical as he is a boy. Which
0: one of you is the
1: evil twin? I was just about to say, I don't believe either of us is evil, but I have a murder (laughs) podcast, so it's probably me. If we had to put money on it, it'd be you. Probably. And, you know, (laughs) in the past, we have been asked if we have any, like, telepathic experiences with each other. And no, like, we don't have any that I know of. We don't communicate with each other through separate rooms or in different places not that i know of maybe there's (laughs) maybe that little tickle is him trying to communicate i don't know you know (laughs) (laughs) but Uh, um that sounded
0: funny
1: i do have some stories of twins that do share telepathic experiences with each other so let's go through some of those shall we Let's do it. Uh, This one says, uh, I'm an identical twin, and she believes that telepathic experiences are definitely real. She says that one time when she was little, her and her twin both had a dream on the exact same night about her cousin dying. Ooh,
0: creepy. Yeah,
1: she said, even though both of us rarely remember our dreams, we both remember that one of us told each other the next day, and they both were like, I had the same dream. Ew. Which, how would you feel if you were that cousin? You're like, oh. Yeah, exactly.
0: Like, um. That's great. Something's not
1: right here. Yeah. This one says, After my twin brother went out with friends, I became very nervous tossing and turning on the couch with nightmares. I saw flashes of things like a cop car and sirens. Uh, Later on in the night, my mother rushed out of the house after receiving a phone call and brought my brother back, who was in shock and non-responsive. The next day we hugged and cried when he told me that a white car had chased him and his friends through a breezeway trying to run them over.
0: What the heck?
1: What? I don't know it's weird. Ew. This says the shower slip up is what it's called. It says once dun, in dun, the sh- yeah, once in the shower while shaving, I managed to nick the inside of my heel. Which what? <laughs> How, <laughs> why, why are
0: you Why are you shaving your heel? <laughs>
1: they said it wouldn't stop bleeding so i bandaged it up later on i noticed my twin sister had a bandage on the same spot as mine after a couple days i asked her why her cut hadn't healed and that's when she learned that her sister had got her first tattoo in the same spot and the same time that she had cut herself
0: what the hell
1: i don't know some of these are crazy stuff
0: is weird so you and austin haven't had like anything like
1: that the only thing that I recall, and again, I don't know if this is real or a dream, so here we're just going <laughs> to go with it. But at one point in my childhood, he and I had been separated. Either my mom was taking him to the doctor or me and I was home with the babysitter. He was home. I don't know. And yeah. he or I had slammed our finger in the door and the other twin was like freaking out to my mom, saying that we have to go home because so and so is hurt, and so like, like all scared, yeah, freaking out. And she didn't know why, so she like called the babysitter, and apparently the other one of us had slammed their finger, and so apparently we She's knew. Like,
0: Jesus, how do you know? Yeah, are you watching
1: me? <laughs> exactly, but I in our adult years, I don't recall anything. Huh. you know That's i mean sometimes i has a,
0: a twin boy and girl
1: i wonder oh, yeah. if will all
0: have that mel b have you ha- have they had any experiences like that yeah if let us know so, comment on our post yeah i mean
1: and if you have any twin uh if we have any twin fans you know let us know yeah i'm
0: trying to think if i have uh, know any other twins except for you and then, I don't know if I do, sorry if I forgot, but <laughs> if, if you're <laughs> listening, i comment and let us know your twin experience.
1: You know, I, in my graduating class, I actually had quite a few twins. It was, it was crazy. We had a few sets of twins just in our graduating class.
0: Yeah. Like, so. yeah, I guess I knew some in high school. But yeah. Just, it still just feels more rare, like, when you needed to, oh, yeah, I do, okay, I thought of some more. <laughs> I don't think they listen to this show, so we're
1: okay. Oh good, we won't offend them.
0: Yeah, sorry I forgot <laughs> that you were twins. But it's still despite knowing a handful, I still feel like it's more rare to like know
1: twins. No, yep, for sure. But listen, apparently there are a lot of twins that experience things together and some of the twins we're about to talk about experienced murder.
0: Yeah, there we go. Back okay. to our original genre. Yep.
1: Evil twins. Evil twins. And I think, <laughs> I think I'm think i first today, so I gotta tell you guys some evil twin stories. Let's do it! Alright, so my twins who kill are Pete and Pat Bondurant. And All right. if you're gonna watch Killer Twins, I think they were like season 2, episode 15. I'm not sure. Don't fact check me on that. <laughs> but they're there. Alright, so Pete and Pat were born in Elkton, Tennessee, which it was a pretty tight-knit community. It was like a farming community that they were very religious. They all went to church together. So they were all pretty close and knew each other. Um, okay. They were born in April of 1955. Their father was a contractor with the military, and their mother was a school teacher. Uh, the twins were very obese since birth. Like they were just big-boned children, and they just kept uh-huh. getting bigger and bigger as they got older, so a lot of people made fun of their weight at school and even at home. Mm-hmm. Um, don't feel too oh, bad Oh, even at yet. home? Jeez. Yeah, so their father, their father, their father, their father, <laughs> who am I, gold member? <laughs> yeah, father! Their father, <laughs> he was very strict and physical with the twins, which did not allow them to have the best relationship with their father, um, so, basically, they were bullied by their dad at home with him just being super strict and not letting them do what they wanted, and at uh-huh. school with their peers. So, really, the only people they had were each other. So, they had a very close bond with each other.
0: Okay. Which
1: most twins do, I mean. But right. But they, they didn't have anyone else to reach out to, so they just got super close. Um, so, obviously, with them... They kind of had some issues growing up. So Pete, one of the brothers, he was more of like the hothead. He always was angry getting into fights. And Pat was kind of like his side hustle. He would be there. I love
0: their names too. I know, Pete
1: Pete and Pat. (laughs) They definitely look like it too. But anyways, yeah. So Pat was kind of like his sidekick. So anytime Pete would get into a fight, Pat was right there to help him out. Gotcha. Gotcha. To make friends, and to get close to females, they decided to start dealing drugs, as this would actually bring people in to kind of talk to them. Okay. Uh, so, they deal drugs they, all through high school. Uh, in the summer of 1973, when the twins were 18 and ha- graduated from high school, they actually decided to separate from each other and kind of go about their own lives, which w- this would be the first time they have ever separated. Gotcha. So... Pat from there went to a local college, which lasted one year, and then he went to work at a local rubber plant, and then okay. he also had met a girl named Denise, which he actually met because he rear-ended her. It's a funny story, so he, like, rear-ended her, and he decided that they, like, hit it off, so he asked her on a date while they were, like, gathering insurance information.
0: <laughs> oh, nice.
1: Whatever. It's like
0: a rom-com.
1: Yeah, it's like sometimes you meet people in weird situations, whatever. Uh-huh. So not long after dating on March 11th, 1983, they decided to get married. Um, so Pat seemed like a good husband to his wife. They lived a good life. They were, I mean, had good jobs, right? But Pete, yeah. on the other hand, and remember, Pete was the hothead in school. He was the one getting in fights. He right, wasn't right, right. doing so well with life, so he didn't have any goals in life. He didn't go to school or anything. So uh, he actually started working as a truck driver and ended up in Cincinnati, Ohio. While yeah. in Cincinnati, he lived with two other men and their girlfriend, so he, they were all in like this house living as roommates. Uh-huh. And one night they all decided to just let off some steam and do some drugs and have a party. And the girlfriends, yeah, the girlfriends actually ran to grab cigarettes and some other, like, treats and stuff from the local gas station. But Mm -hmm. when they had come back, the door was actually locked, which wasn't normal because, like, they were just running, right? Running some errands. And so they knocked on the door and Pete answered, but he had a knife in his hand so oh,
0: what's happening like, Why,
1: Pete? exactly so the girls like push past him and they run into the living room and both men had been stabbed multiple times holy shit so pete while these women were trying to help their boyfriends decided to like run away but yeah. when the police arrive at the scene pete hadn't t- had time to get away so they immediately arrest him and he confessed that he did it but he claims that he was trying to protect himself because they had threatened him wanting to have sexual encounters with him.
0: Okay. Which isn't
1: a reason to stab someone, but all right. And well, so... yeah. Yeah.
0: It just... Okay, whatever. Let's <laughs> see where this
1: goes. <laughs> so obviously the cops don't buy this and they arrest him. And uh-huh. in the end, one of the victims actually ended up dying from his wounds because he had been stabbed 40 times which you don't stab someone 40 times in self defense like no the rage kill for sure yeah exactly it
0: seems like yeah
1: so Pete ended up pleading guilty to attempted manslaughter and while he was there he was actually only convicted 7 to 25 years in ohio so not so very both, long.
0: Uh, both other guys died. Obviously the one that got stabbed 40 times and then the other one died as well. So the
1: other guy survived, just the one oh, guy. The other one survived. Yep. Okay. Yep. So he becomes eligible for parole and is given the ability to go back to Tennessee on parole. So this guy's out already, okay? He d- <clears throat> he did not serve very long. And no that's not the end of the story. It's quite long. It keeps going. So
0: I assume that the one that survived, like, denied the allegation.
1: Yep, exactly. That, okay. But conscious. obviously, it didn't help his case. Like, the dude got out on parole, right? And he killed right. someone. Like, anyways, don't let me get flustered here. So, Pete. I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Pete decides to go and live with Pat and his wife in Tennessee. So, obviously, Denise, who's Pat's wife, isn't very happy about this. Like, they're newlyweds. They're living their lives. They don't want his murderous brother to come live with them. But Pat right, Pat loves it. his brother, so he allows it. Not long after Pete moves in, the twins decide to start dealing drugs again. So, it's kind of funny. When I was watching this documentary, it was explaining them kind of as, like, hustlers. Like, They would walk through the town, and they were, like, dealing with the competition. Like, these were 300-pound guys, and they would come in, and they would just, like, tear the place up or, like, threaten you if you were purchasing drugs from anyone else. Like, it was a whole weird scenario. Like, causing destruction
0: wherever they go.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, Uh obviously, it's a small town, so people know that they're the drug dealers of the town now. Right, and also know to like
0: they don't necessarily
1: want to mess with them. Yep, exactly. On May thirtieth, nineteen eighty six, the twins decide to host a party at Pat's house. So now they're partiers; they're living their best lives, dealing their drugs, whatever. This is when twenty three year old Gwen Duggar comes into play, and she is just one of she's like a sister to one of the the friends that comes to this party, and he brought her. Uh, gotcha. She was a petite blonde that was super outgoing and the twins really liked her so they got along with her quickly. Um, so Gwen decides to stay at the house when her brother leaves for the night. So she wants to stay, hang out, get drunk, party, whatever. Okay. She gets to the point where she's very intoxicated and both Pete and Pat had ended up giving her drugs and her drinks, so she was just out of it completely, okay? Oh,
0: is. So, I was going to say, it's never a good, nope. good idea to just stay behind alone, ladies. Yep,
1: exactly. So Pete decides to take advantage of this and actually takes her into the bathroom where he rapes her. Oh, God. Pat now decides that he wants to take part of this and takes Gwen, once Peter is done, to a different room and rapes her there.
0: Is the wife not there?
1: Which one's married again? Not. Pat is. So he, this is when Pat's (laughs) wife decided to start looking for them because Gwen, Pete, and Pat had been missing for a while. So she's like, where are they? What are they doing? So she goes into the bedroom to find Pat raping Gwen and leaves the house. So she's just pissed off, right? Her husband's cheating on her. She doesn't care that Gwen's intoxicated and completely out of it. She's just pissed, so she leaves the house. But...
0: That's so sad. I mean, that's so sad. Yes. That's maybe... Uh, okay.
1: So, less than an hour later, Denise decides to come back to the house to confront Gwen. So, I don't know. Oh,
0: she's mad at Gwen.
1: She's not pissed at Gwen. the douche. Yeah. Okay. So, when she gets back to the house, she sees Gwen on the ground, just completely naked, passed out. And Denise is still pissed at this point, so she tries to, like, fight with Gwen, but Gwen is, like, so drugged that she physically cannot move.
0: Yeah, she's passed out on the floor, dude. Like, what are you thinking? So,
1: Pat walks in to find this commotion of Denise yelling at Gwen, trying to get her to leave, and he decides to step in. So, what he does is he tries to hand his wife an axe and says to take care of it, but... Denise is like no I don't need that like she just needs to leave right and she's like why the hell is he trying to hand me this axe yeah what the hell so because she didn't do anything Pat decides to take it upon himself and he hits Gwen in the head as hard as he can over and over again to the point where her body was mutilated and there was blood everywhere What the fuck? so Denise is still here so Denise starts freaking out as her husband is killing this other woman right in front of her so she tries to, like, calm her husband down just because she doesn't want to be taken out next, And now right? she, yes, yeah, he, so oh my gosh. she's in the, she's fear, like, she's so scared that he's going to turn on her. So he's, just, she's just like, it's okay, calm down, like, we'll take care of it. Like, just trying to play, like, the nice guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Pete, of course, had decided to come in and see what's going on and witness everything that's happening. But Pete doesn't care. So yeah,
0: he's. Oh, I, I mean, him and his brother just raped the same girl together. Yep. So
1: So at this point, Pete, Pete goes over to Gwen and sees that she's lying on the ground, but she's still alive at this point. So she's been beaten. Oh my
0: God, she paralyzed.
1: Is? Yes. So he Holy decides God. to finish the job. So he takes a twenty-two caliber rifle and shoots her twice, and she finally dies at this point. That poor girl. I know. Holy sh- So, Pete, at this point, has already been arrested for murder. So, he kind of starts to panic, and he's like, this is what we need to do, right? Like, if there's no body, there's no murder. There's no evidence, right? So, what they need to do is get rid of the body. So, he runs to his work and grabs, like, these large garbage sacks and comes back to the house. They roll up the body in these garbage sacks and drive to a river... But instead of dumping the body, they just decide to burn it. So Ew. they put Gwen's body inside a 55-gallon drum and set it on fire. That's like those big blue garbage cans. Uh-huh. So they set her body on fire. And during all of this, Denise is back at the house cleaning up all of the blood. Okay. So she's well, in on it at yeah, this I point. I thought
0: she was just playing pretend, yep, but exactly. now she's in on it.
1: So they burn all the bloody clothes and the clothing that she was wearing and that they were wearing and to mask the fire, they put like a couch on top of it to just like, if anyone were to come by, they'd be like, Oh, someone was just burning furniture, right? Like, no, that's not the case. So three days later, all that's left of Denise at this point was, or sorry, of Gwen was charred bone fragments and ashes. So oh my help. they take what's left of her and they throw it into the river. So at this point, they think they've taken care of all the evidence. They should be good to go. Like, there's no body anymore. But yeah. obviously, the question still lies that they were the last one to see Gwen alive.
0: Right, their so, friend is going to come back looking for their sister. Yep, like,
1: exactly. So the brother comes asking questions. Where is she? Like they're trying to make weird comments. Like I haven't seen her. But then Pete makes a weird comment. Like he had nothing to do with killing Gwen. Though no one at this point thought she was dead. They just thought she was missing. So like, oh
0: my god,
1: <laughs> they're just making stupid comments like that. And it's like, what? No, that's not. No one's asking you that. Yeah. So, but because everyone they're,
0: thinks they're like so smart. Yeah. That they can get away with shit like this. And it's like, no, you're an idiot. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, still at this point, there's no direct evidence against them. So, Pete and Pat just start living their lives like normal again, right? Because they think uh-huh. they got away with murder. So, right. a few months later, in August of 1986, Denise started to get more and more antsy about what happened. And she was like scared for her life again. So, okay. One night, Pat and Denise actually get into an argument where he ends up beating her and threatening to kill her if she says anything. So, she's terrified at this point. So, the only thing that she feels to keep her safe is to move out and move in with her sister. Not go to the cops because she doesn't know what's going to happen. There's no evidence, right? So, she just moves out. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now with Denise out of the picture, Pat and Pete get closer and closer and they just rely more on drugs and alcohol. They just party. They're just getting crazy, right?
0: Okay, he obviously doesn't care that she took off.
1: Yeah, exactly. So in the fall of 1986, Pat had been at a bar drinking all night. uh, And when he got home, he actually found out that his wallet is missing. So to make a few things clear before we jump into this, Pete is the one who was initially arrested for killing someone. At this point, Pat and Pete have killed someone together. And Uh now we're to Pat's next story. So Pat is the one who was not initially charged. That was Pete. Okay. It gets a little confusing. So now Pat calls the bar to see if they have seen his wallet. They haven't seen his wallet. So he immediately assumes that his friend that he went to the bar with, Ronnie, must have taken it. He has this theory that he owed Ron some money and he decided to just take his wallet instead of asking for the money back. I don't know. He's crazy, right? Yeah. So on October of 1986, Pat goes over to Ronnie's house to hang out and get drunk. Pat confronts Ronnie about his wallet missing. And of course, Ronnie's like, I don't have it. Like, I never took it. I haven't seen it. But Pat won't accept this. Pat gets, like, there's no way yeah. you could
0: have just lost it, dude. Yeah, like, like,
1: seriously. And so, Pat's just super angry at this point. So, what he yeah. does, he picks up a rocking chair and hits Ronnie over the head over and over again.
0: Oh, my To hell. the point
1: where it obviously kills Ronnie. So, at this point, now both brothers have killed separately and they have killed together. Yeah. So, now he decides the only person he can trust is Pete. So, he calls him to come over and help him to get rid of the body. So, Mm -hmm. this time they decide, instead of burning the full body, to cut it up into pieces, put it into plastic bags, and light the whole house on fire using a candle and gasoline. So, now they're just getting crazy, right?
0: Yeah, they're just getting, they are going rogue and just... Oh, my hell.
1: So the house burns down, which hides any evidence of them being there. But the twins actually took the body parts and buried them at their parents' cabin. I don't know why they. I don't know. (laughs) They're like so complicated. So Pat is so happy with their work and what they've done that he decides to call Denise and brag about what they've done. Like. (laughs)
0: He does not. Oh my god. These Uh, two are unbelievable. I know,
1: right? So, but Denise doesn't do anything. So, four years later, in 1990, police finally are looking more into the death of Ronnie and Gwen, but they have no hard evidence linking the twins still. At this point, Denise decides that she is ready to talk about her husband and his brother. Denise, so, Denise. Uh, on February in 1990, they, the police confront Denise about their murders and she immediately tells them everything. She is uh-huh. She's guaranteed immunity at this point and she tells police, leads them to their home and tells them exactly where everything happened. So what's crazy is they're no longer living in this house. And so yeah. the police used that luminal stuff that like shows where blood is. And the right. whole house lights up with blood, right? Ew. right? So they test the blood and it comes back as human blood, but because it's been four years, it doesn't like there's, and it's the 90s, right? There's no DNA yeah. linking it to Gwen at this point. So mm-hmm. they still have no evidence to arrest the brothers. But. In April of 1990, the po- police at this point just decide to arrest the twins on first-degree murder with no evidence to see what they can get. So, Yeah,
0: hoping they can get a confession. Yep.
1: Denise, at this point, has given them all the information they need on the murder, and yeah. they have now found bones on the cabin property. So, Okay. They have enough evidence to place them under arrest for Ronnie's case, but they still don't have anything for Gwen's. So Uh they decide to return back to the house to look one more time. At this point, they were finally able to find furniture and clothing that had belonged or the furniture that was burned and the clothing that belonged to Gwen. Uh, It was like buried since they had moved out. People had done renovations, So they had to dig up a ton to find this evidence, but they were able to finally found find this evidence. And on March 18th, 1991, the twins go That's to court. Birthday. Oh my gosh, cute. So this happened. <laughs> yes. Jesus. So on that day, they were found guilty and sentenced to 25 years for the murder of Gwen. That's it, 25 years. Oh my God. And in December of 1991, Pat is now facing trial for Ronnie and in the end was actually sentenced to death, which is crazy because what? Pete killed someone else and he only served like seven years.
0: That's why it just none of the sentencing.
1: It never makes, makes sense.
0: sense to me. No, like, I just don't get.
1: So I just don't
0: get it. Yep. Can you imagine that being your house though? Oh like, gosh! It's all like renovated, and you've like bought this new house. Yeah. Have no idea, and then the police are like, actually.
1: I d- I mean I don't well, mean to be creepy. Birthday. We need to come in. Here yeah, it probably happens a lot. Jeez. so what? say that again. It probably happens a lot. Like that yeah, that's people... true. It
0: probably happens more often than you think. Yep.
1: So, Pete, who was convicted of the two murders, was released from the Tennessee Department in 2016 at the age of 61 after only serving 26 years. Wow. Pat, who, if you think about it, Pat was the nicer one for a while. For a bit. Yep. He still remains in the Northeast Correctional Complex in Tennessee and is not set for release for another 53 years. Wow. Yeah. Like,
0: that's so weird.
1: So crazy. There's my twins. And they, and it's so crazy that just, like, it was Pete who was this angry dude who committed this first crime. And then they committed a crime together. And then Pat turns to Pete and commits a crime by himself.
0: Yeah. That's insane. Like, I had no idea when I. together, Like, they were, not well, I guess the one killed, not even with the other twin. But it's, like. You have to wonder if he influenced this other twin. Yeah, exactly. Fish. I don't know. That's wild. Well,
1: and it's just like yeah, it's what well, it's crazy. Crazy, crazy. But that's my murder. There you have it.
0: Dang. That's messed up. That poor girl. I feel so bad for them. That's just
1: I know, the fact that she was beaten and then was still alive yes. and had to endure even more. That poor, yeah.
0: yeah. And then the friend too, like has no idea what yep. the hell this dude's talking about. Like
1: yeah, you think it's yeah. your friend? Yeah,
0: that's awful. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I got my story from the same show. Yeah, <laughs> twins. That's what's <laughs> so, up. Uh, my story is about Greg and Jeff Henry. Okay. They are identical twins who were born in Dublin, Georgia, January twenty third, nineteen fifty five. Sue Henry, their mother, was really popular in the town because of the twins. They were, oh. like, kind of the only ones there. She That's dressed it. them up the same. And people were just interested in that. Yeah. And I had a little note to ask you if you and Austin, like, ever shared, like, that pain thing. But we kind of already talked about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they said that – so, like, about the twin bond. They said that Jeff and Henry had their own twin talk. Or, like, language that they would speak to each other. And they were always very, very close. Basically attached at the hip. Yeah. They had, they grew up having a knack for taking things apart and putting them back together again. And they were just always doing stuff together. Okay. Um, People described Sue Henry's parenting as not really giving each twin their own identity. So, like I said earlier, she dressed them the same. They were, um, when they were little, but the pattern continued as they grew up, basically giving them the exact same life. And despite her not, like, encouraging them to have their own identity, as the twins got older, it started to seem like the only thing the twins had in common was their looks. Okay. So, Greg was described as much more personable, outgoing, while Jeff was way more timid and insecure. Greg had a bunch of friends, he was a good student, he had a healthy dating life, while Jeff act like ended up feeling left out anytime Greg had a new girlfriend and didn't do as well in school.
1: Okay. Um, so that's opposite um, of their that's mother
0: opposite. said that when she would ask Jeff a question, he would look to Greg for an answer or mm-hmm. almost like permission to answer the question. So they kind of they Greg kind of has this like dominant role in their in their relationship. Yeah. Um So the boys' as teenagers are obviously very different, and they start not seeing eye-to-eye on many things, which is leading to a lot of arguments. Jeff saw himself as, like, an inventor and wanted to change the world, and Greg would just make fun of him for it. And they would have explosive arguments like this all the time, and it would go from zero to 100 in seconds and become violent. Oh, boy. So... Yeah, they're just fighting constantly, but they're still, like, attached at the hip all the time, too. Like, people, despite their aggressive outbursts, people describe them, their bond is unbreakable. Okay. Um, so, life goes on, and the twins move out together. However, Greg is longing for more com- companionship than just his twin brother. I mean, yeah. And he ends up marrying his high school sweetheart. Cute. And... Yeah, but Jeff is like crushed
1: and oh, basically God.
0: just begs Greg not to move out and to not leave him. Um, but Greg went along with the marriage anyway, but felt guilty for leaving Jeff behind, so he convinces his wife to let Jeff move into their oh, basement. Oh gosh, yeah. So some similarities happening, but um, and she begrudgingly agrees. Okay. So, she was married to Greg for four years before filing for divorce. She said she felt like she was married to both of the twins and just couldn't put oh, up with them together.
1: <laughs> yeah. Jeff I don't mean pumped. to laugh. I and just... then Jeff
0: was, like, pumped he, and, like, stoked that she moved out and basically moved back upstairs. And it was like the twins were reunited. Yeah. So, mm. they just continued to live together into their 30s, both single They also worked together at the same electronics store. Oh, God. So, they lived together, worked together. Yeah. Again, just inseparable. Yeah. Um, But their relationship kind of starts to get a little twisted. And basically, Greg treats Jeff like he's his, like, housewife. He, like, barks orders at Jeff. Like, and Jeff was happy He basically kept the house tidy for Greg. He cooked all of his dinners. He was at his beck and call whenever he needed a beer. Like, both of these twins had taken on this unhealthy marriage-type role with one another.
1: Interesting. Interesting. Yeah,
0: super weird. And so and they were also super boozy. So they would drink beers by the case, and there was constantly empty beer bottles all over their house. They were just getting wasted all the time. Like, every single week, weekend, they would drink hard, huh. um, which obviously leads to a lot of drunken arguments and fights. And just like when they were teenagers, Greg was the more dominant. Tool. Yeah. He would basically belittle Jeff. He would instigate fights between them and always win. Um so, yeah, that's just kind of how their relationship's going. The twins are also really into firearms. And one of them, they had, oh, basically, boy. they had their guns, like, posted up on the wall as decor. Huh. So, when they would get into these fights, Greg would take his twenty two off the wall and fire warning shots at Jeff. Jeez. And just basically, yeah, and just basically to remind him who was the boss.
1: Okay. There's so, other ways yeah, to do that. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, super abusive. Yeah. Super toxic relationship. Um, and then, yeah, as you can imagine, this took a t- toll on Jeff. He people described him as a bundle of nerves. He would stop eating and oh. would sometimes leave their house and go stay with their mom, like saying that he couldn't live with Greg anymore, Jeez. but that would only last so long and he would end up going back to the same situation. Yeah, so their toxic relationship finally came to a head on December 15th, 1991. The twins were watching a football game and drinking super heavily when they got into an argument. Oh, Jeff had said something about the Atlanta Falcons and disagreed, calling him an idiot, and they started fighting. Oh god! They're kicking. Yeah, exactly. So
1: it would be over sports.
0: <laughs> they're kicking each other. They're punching each other. They're scratching each other on the floor and. Greg would usually win these fights, but Jeff wasn't letting up this time. Hmm. So they're just going hard with this fight. But they finally pull apart, and Greg goes into his bedroom. So Jeff, in his drunken stupor, starts to get really paranoid, thinking like, oh my gosh, what's Greg doing in there? Like, yeah. is he finally going to kill me like he's threatened to? He thinks maybe he even hears some gunshots. Yeah. So he he's just like falling into this like drunken paranoia. And so Greg or Jeff grabs his shotgun and busts into Greg's room and shoots him.
1: Oh wow! Did I definitely thought it would be the opposite?
0: Yeah, yeah. He Jeff had just broke. I don't know. And finally, the straw. Yeah, saying I'm trying to say. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) my brain. (laughs) Uh. Uh, Afterwards, he calls his mom hysterical, telling her that she chopped Greg. And so she calls the police and tells him to stay where he is, and the police find him at a payphone covered in Greg's blood. Oh, jeez. So he said that when he went into the room, Greg had his twenty two and had been shooting it, so he shot him in self-defense. Yeah, claiming self-defense. However, uh, when they went back to look at the crime scene, Greg was just laying in his bed. Oh. No gun in hand. There was also, like... For that gun that he had there also would have been a shell casing that would have been extracted yeah. from the gun had he been shooting it but that was there was no, none of that to be found huh. um not to mention they interviewed neighbors all of which testified that they only heard one
1: gunshot yeah Jeez.
0: so they asked jeff why like why are you covered in greg's blood and he basically said that he tried to bring him back to life Performs CPR for five minutes crying and begging Greg not to go. Jeez. So he's just all sorts of messed up at yeah. this point. Um, Jeff was arrested and charged with felony murder. His defense team used battered persons defense and basically said that the abuse that Greg had put Jeff through pushed Jeff over the edge to murder.
1: Oh,
0: um, so as they were putting this defense together, Jeff is basically waiting in jail and people were just saying that he was like agonized over killing his twin. Didn't know what to do with himself. Like basically just a shell of a person at this point. Yeah and the case so so the case ends up going to trial and jeff and greg's mother actually ends up testifying for jeff saying that greg was a monster oh. and had even abused her before jeez so yeah i know can you imagine like your son is murdered but then you testify for the other one going to prison to um, i don't know it's such a weird yeah complicated situation because i don't i mean it sounds like everyone knew that that was true of Greg, that he was abusive, Yeah, but I don't even, I just don't know. Yeah, so know, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, so she ends up testifying, and then uh, after days of deliberation, the jury could not come to a consensus, and the judge had to rule a mistrial. There was like this oh, wow. one, apparently this one juror um, who was like holding out for Jeff, saying that he was mistreated, and you uh-huh. know, and basically Greg like did this to himself and so they ended up they could not get a full they could not get the jury together so yeah Yeah. he has to claim a mistrial then a month later june 1955 at the courthouse sue basically had put together this rally for jeff outside and like people wanting him to be freed so the defense team had been working on this plea deal where jeff pled guilty to manslaughter and time served of three point five years, which he had already <laughs> served while they were putting this defense oh, God. together. Yeah. So basically he walked out walked that out. exact same day a free man.
1: So crazy.
0: I know it's so weird. Like I just don't even know. Like I get I get it and then but then it's like he also still murdered someone drunk. Yeah. Like I don't know. I don't know. It's so, so weird. Is he
1: to out think. to this day then?
0: Yeah, he's yeah, and I I feel like that's why I can't find pictures of probably.
1: him. Probably. He probably like, tried had them all taken down. I
0: tried to of him and his brother or anything. I cannot find them anywhere. Yeah, I do have that will post. I do have a picture of his mom and a picture of his hands from like crime scene photos, but that's okay. literally all I could find.
1: Yeah, I wonder if he like had them all taken down or something.
0: Yeah, like I don't know. Yeah. <sighs> I have no idea, but I could not find pictures of them anywhere.
1: That's so crazy. It's so crazy when, and like, you've got it. Sometimes, whatever, like, there are people who end up murdering others in self defense. And I understand that they don't get very long, you know, but if there's no evidence that you were defending yourself from anything like that's yeah crazy. like
0: that's the thing you guys were in an abusive re- relationship but greg was literally like laying in his bed yeah it, it seems like he was like going to sleep yeah exactly Do you know what i mean like i don't know i don't it's so weird dang but then yeah but then that was the defense basically that because of how bad yeah. he was he snapped and so it's like their defense obviously worked
1: Jeez, i wonder if we could find him on facebook <laughs>
0: Dude, I thought about it, but then I was like, Jeff Henry seems like a really common. Name. That's
1: true. You'd you'd be like, is it this one or this one or this one? Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay,
0: these are. I'm gonna sift through a lot of these. That's
1: so crazy, man. I know. There, so weird. There you have it, killer twins. Evil twins. Evil twins. There's a and whole.
0: Have one hosting this podcast with us right
1: now. You guys are so lucky. You're in the presence <laughs> of a twin. <laughs> Oh, man. I i mean, I would just like to clear that me and Austin are very good people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, and happy birthday. Oh, Hobbs thank you
1: <laughs> so much, you guys. If you have any crazy twin stories, share them with us.
0: Yeah, we want to hear it. We want to hear all of it. Evil yeah. or just cool. <laughs> yeah, evil or
1: just interesting. We want them both. All right, you guys. You have a good weekend.
0: Thanks. Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for listening to Two Friends, Two Murders. Go follow us on Instagram at Two Friends, Two Murders Podcast. Episodes are available on both Apple Podcast and BuzzBrow. Don't forget to go leave us a review and share the episode with your friends. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via Instagram or email us at Two friends, Two Murders Podcast at gmail.com.